Hello and welcome to another episode of Find Your Podcast for those looking to optimize their long-term health and weight goals and understand how their body really works. I am your host, I am Shemaine Linney, I am a fitness and nutrition expert, certified iridologist and biohacker and I'm very happy to have you back with me for another episode. I hope you're all keeping really well and I hope you got a chance to listen to part one of the adrenal issues with weight gain and fluid retention um, because we're going into part two now and I don't want you to get confused, I want you to be totally on top of your game because this episode is going to be packed with information so please expect it to be a little bit longer but I promise you won't regret it before I go on I must emphasize that the information in these podcast episodes is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice Please consult your healthcare practitioner before making any lifestyle changes. Okay, are we ready? Let's go. So part one of this Adrenal Issues podcast was very popular. So part two, I expect, is going to be even more so. We looked at what is adrenal fatigue or adrenal dysfunction and all the different names around it in part one. We also looked at the different phases of adrenal fatigue from uh, right from where you start to experience a bit of fatigue, where it starts to kick in and you maybe you're getting a little bit emotional, um, onto then where you're tired and wired, where you are exhausted but you have trouble sleeping, and then we got to that burnout. We also looked at what a day might look like for someone that has adrenal issues, um, and then we also looked at how stress generally is what kickstarts our adrenal issues but we're going to go on now and look at some other symptoms of adrenal we'll just say adrenal fatigue there's many different names as we saw in part one but I think most people kind of relate to or understand the term adrenal fatigue a lot more so we'll just go with that and we're going to look at a few more symptoms that you maybe are experiencing or definitely some lines that I hear a lot from clients Um, and generally if you go to your healthcare practitioner like your family doctor you will see that traditional allopathic or conventional western medicine doesn't recognize adrenal fatigue even though they'll recognize if someone has anxiety or depression but they won't recognize adrenal fatigue even though again it can be confirmed by science that it is a real thing. Um, And you may see, if you look at some scientific studies, they'll refer to adrenal fatigue as exhaustion syndrome, which I think most of us are nodding, yep, I have exhaustion syndrome. So there was research from Umea University in Sweden that found that people suffering adrenal fatigue have lower activity in their frontal lobes. So your lo- your frontal lobes are what, are, it's the part of the brain that's involved in emotions, memory and decisions, which is why when we see adrenal fatigue or exhaustion syndrome, 
<coughs> excuse me, you may get more weepy, you may experience brain fog, inability to make decisions, you lack um, short-term memory generally it is. Um, but these part of your brain also um, regulates cortisol too. So um, people suffering, based on this study, adrenal fatigue have lower activity in this area of the brain. Um, the study also found that people more prone to this condition, as they called it, are often overachievers and perfectionists and um, dare I say most of us are like that nowadays, especially as we strive to survive, basically. That should be a term, strive to survive, because I feel like that's what many of us are just doing. But I see many clients and speak to many people, and I myself have spoke to my clients about um, experiencing phases or stages of adrenal fatigue and exhaustion. But a lot of complaints that I hear of, I'm going to go through a few of them, which we would consider symptoms, um, and I'm sure you're going to relate to them. So, um, some of the complaints I will hear are as follows. One is, I can't shed any weight or lose weight no matter how little or how well I eat. This, my friends, is usually caused by high and low cortisol, but I must add in, like in episode one, there may be other variables playing here too. I mean, insulin and blood sugar imbalances is going to be a big thing where someone can't shed pounds no matter how good or little they eat, as well as inflammation. And inflammation is one of the driving forces behind insulin issues and insulin resistance. But another one is going to be that high and low cortisol. So if you hate getting dressed in the morning because you don't like looking at yourself or you feel disgusted looking at yourself, you feel like you have constant fluid retention or you look puffy in your face or your legs, you literally struggle to lose any weight whatsoever and you will feel like you even gain weight if all you're consuming is air. If this is you, it's highly likely that you have adrenal fatigue um, and it's well accepted that stress and weight gain go hand in hand. Many of us know this, not just the stress eating aspect of it, because if you were just eating broccoli, you could put on weight. Um, so there's a lot of different things in regards to stress, toxic overload insulin resistance, inflammation, there's a lot there. But anyway, when we look at cortisol being the culprit here, the impacts of high cortisol can easily be seen in people who suffer from, say, Cushing's disease, which is a condition that causes chronic excess cortisol. And people with Cushing's disease generally experience puffy faces and high blood pressure and weight gain, particularly around the belly and the chest. Um, and I have spoke about before in my groups how, and even when I do consultations and I talk to people or I even look at people, if you're holding on to the majority of your weight around your tummy, and especially if your tummy is hard and round, that generally is because of stress and stress which drives insulin resistance in that area. So that is definitely a common symptom. Another complaint I get, and my heart goes out to people with this, is exercise doesn't help me lose weight or even look more toned. 
And there is a way around that, let me tell you, there is. It may take you getting a bit uncomfortable, but there is a way around that. But the reason this happens is cortisol is a catabolic hormone. That This means that when it's released during stress, it breaks down protein to use for energy. Now, to some extent, insulin can prote protect the body and the tissues, and specifically the muscle tissues, from becoming catabolic or basically getting eaten but when you get to the stage where you have insulin resistance and chronic cortisol insulin stops that protection so it can't protect your muscle anymore and then the more stressed you are the more you push your body the more you start to go catabolic so you're eating your own tissues specifically your muscle tissue a rapid and ongoing muscle wastage even though you may be working out every day and this is so common that if you work out every day if there's that insulin resistance along with the cortisol issues you're you're going to struggle to put on muscle and you may continue to eat into your own muscle and degrade it and that's the last thing we want because like i said if exercise doesn't help me lose weight or even look more toned Obviously, you want to lose weight, and the more muscle you lose, the less glucose you can store, the less fat you burn, um, so the less glucose you can store in your muscle tissue, meaning it's going to get converted into fat cells, the less fat you'll burn when you're not exercising, um, the weaker your immune system is, there's this whole thing around macrophages and stress and fat loss I don't want to get into now, but then also you have the inflammation, so it's a big cascade of shit, basically. Um, so, and then if someone is working out hard and at high intensity, cortisol is released when you exercise hard and high. And especially for long, if your body's not primed, you are going to just drive your stress levels even higher. And then you're, you're not going to put on muscle. You're not going to look toned. You'll struggle to lose weight. You'll also experience even higher inflammation um, chronic inflammatory symptoms like stiffness, aches, pains, muscle joint issues, poor sleep, dehydration, so there's a lot. So I've, I'm notorious and I get a lot of pushback from this for telling my clients, look, I don't want you doing that exercise. I've even told clients, I need you to just stop that. We're going to stop that for a few weeks. I've had people stop CrossFit. I've had people stop boot camps. I've just stopped. Let's move more towards restorative exercise, regroup your body, give it a reset. Let's be kinder to your body. Let's focus on that cortisol. Let's change the nutrition and address the insulin and then things start to look better. And there's some people that hate that and I do get pushback and there's people that it's very uncomfortable and oh this doesn't fit my lifestyle and I can't do that. I have work and I have to do renos and I have to do this and you know and I understand that. I do understand. I totally get it. But I also understand that health is wealth and if if you want to live a long, healthy life, you need to make these uncomfortable changes. Another thing I hear is, after a really stressful week, my belly suddenly looks bigger. So that kind of bloating and not necessarily farting, but feeling like you're full of gas. And even women who have a healthy weight um, can have this symptom. 
So cortisol's job is to ensure you have enough energy to get through an emergency, right? Like, so you want to survive, you want to live through that tiger chasing you. But when stress triggers you to release cortisol, it remains in your system for about nine hours. And a lot of people don't know that when you get that stress response, as soon as your body perceives that you're in danger, those stress hormones, your adrenaline and your cortisol are released in a few minutes like literally within 10 minutes your body is being flooded with these hormones but then they linger and they can take a lot longer to dissipate um, and when in high circulation cortisol can widen your waistline because it triggers uh, this chain of biochemical reaction one is gluconeogenesis so the production of um, high levels of blood sugar and other fuel sources getting dumped into your bloodstream because you want to survive so that can be very stressful on the body and you'll end up with an excess of sugars in your bloodstream which can get stored as fat but while this is happening it deters all activity from your digestive system so you can end up with this kind of big feedback loop that causes the digestive system to get damaged and bloating to occur and then another way is um, it may not be bloating at all. It may actually be that you put on some tummy fat because cortisol tells your brain that you need to store fat specifically around your organs, which unfortunately are there under your stomach. So when you're stressed along with the adrenal glands, your fat cells release cortisol too. So you're making more blood glucose and storing more fat and this is a horrible cycle and if you could see me now I'm making this kind of cringy sad face because I know several clients that this is happening to and my heart goes out to them because like I said in part one of this series once you go down that rabbit hole and you're very deep down it can be hard to get back out of it it can and my heart goes out to anyone in this situation um, but this is why we may see that this chronic stress, it's promoting storage of tummy fat. And unfortunately, a lot of that tummy fat is going to be your visceral fat too. So visceral, I always think of the V. Visceral is very deep fat. So that's the fat that's deep under your muscles, around your organs. And this is the dangerous fat that you can't see. Um, and this is the one that pumps out inflammatory chemicals. So even if you were to do the pinch test, which is one I like for monitoring subcutaneous fat and seeing if you're losing fat where you can pinch fat on your hips or under your arms to see if it's increasing or decreasing. Even if you did that and you're like, oh, my subcutaneous fat is going down, I must be losing weight, but the scales is not changing. It may be because your problem's not so much the subcutaneous fat, it's that visceral fat that's under your muscles that's been driven by the stress and the insulin and in in a negative cycle, it's pumping out more inflammatory chemicals into your bloodstream as well, which can also lead to estrogen dominance, where we start to see, and I'm talking to one client in specific now, where we can start to see that maybe your menstrual cycle and your period was perfect for months, and now all of a sudden, it's a mess. Now all of a sudden it's very heavy, very painful, lots of blood clots, because 
that visceral fat that you have now accumulated under your stomach muscles is pumping out lots of inflammatory chemicals and hormones which is driving up estrogen dominance um, so and then the visceral fat also contributes to excess glucose which travels to the beta cells in the pancreas that control insulin function and it damages them so you get even more insulin resistance and I know you're like Shemaine you're just telling me bad news after bad news after bad news but you need to know this because you some people need a kick up the ass to just stop their habits and make those uncomfortable changes if you continue to have circulating sugar in your bloodstream it can lead to diabetes and of course it'll worsen your adrenal fatigue and life will be hell and that's not life that's not living okay another thing i see is i feel wired at bedtime but exhausted in the morning so this is the wired but tired um and that's where i said i don't i think it was in the last part oh no it wasn't it was on my cravings um and the science behind them video the other night i was saying to one of the girls like a lot of women after they have kids they get the kids to bed and then they're exhausted but they're like this is the only chance i have to watch my show or spend time with my husband or whatever and i usually say you know what tough that's just tough. If you're in a state of adrenal fatigue and you're crashing, you don't want to push through that tiredness after you get the kids to bed. You go asleep. Go asleep. You have the rest of your life to spend with your husband and catch up on your shows. When the kids move out, you can binge watch Netflix till your heart's content. But right now, you do not want to push through that tiredness when the kids go to bed because then you become wired because you're pushing through the tiredness and now you mess up your whole hormonal system and your circadian rhythm. You do not want to do that. Many times I have just said to clients, okay, look, it's a it's 8.30, I'm going to bed. I can't, I can't push my body because I know I'll regret it. And there is no shame in that. The body changes as you get older. So unfortunately, we can't just party all night like we used to when we were in our 20s. Um, but this high and low cortisol fluctuating throughout the day and at the wrong times of the day. So if you push yourself through that fatigue at say 8pm to stay up and watch a show or spend time with your husband, that's a stress on your body. So you spike cortisol again, then you become wired. Like, And dare I say you're purposely doing it because you're pushing through that tiredness. Um, and then you struggle to get yourself out of bed the next morning. You're body is clever and it registers that your cortisol levels have been chronically high for a long time so it'll try to put the brakes on cortisol by reducing its normal daily production and instead of the normal peak of cortisol that you get in the morning you get that flat line you get that phase three that burnout this is very very common and there's lots of studies on this and we look at a lot of connection to this around Addison's disease due to their low cortisol. Um, there's also, of course, um, a connection here with people that suffer colitis because it's a stress on the body as well. Um, and lots of other chronic inflammatory issues. This is where, yeah, you most likely have some adrenal issues there too. So basically in this 
scenario you're exhausted and drained but you can't sleep so you're wired and tired your cortisol levels are rising and dropping at the wrong times of the day and you need to break that cycle okay so the next this one is so common and now I'm thinking of a different client I really hope she's listening to this you'll know who you are if you are okay my face legs feet and hands are often puffy and swollen and even sore to touch and I get lightheaded or dizzy often. Well, we blame this on aldosterone. So aldosterone is an adrenal hormone that not many people are aware of because mostly we think of cortisol and adrenaline. But aldosterone is a mineral corticoid hormone, um, which plays a central role in regulating blood pressure and certain electrolytes like sodium and potassium, and dare I say, magnesium to some extent. So aldosterone sends signals to your kidneys, resulting in your kidneys absorbing more sodium into the bloodstream and releasing potassium into the urine. And this means that aldosterone also helps regulate the blood pH, which I'm just going to stop here for a second. When we see abnormalities in blood pH, maybe caused by chronic stress, this is where we see disease and infections and illnesses happen. It's very important that we regulate a normal pH in our body, but aldosterone helps regulate blood pH by controlling the levels of electrolytes in your blood. So that's what aldosterone does. So when we see the swelling and fluid retention and puffiness, and then the dizziness and the lightheadedness, we're, like, we're thinking, okay, there is a problem here with aldosterone. And some women complain that they can swell up with fluid within minutes of feeling stress. And this is not their imagination whatsoever. Um, when your body flicks on that stress or fight or flight reaction, it pumps out aldosterone. And when you're under stress, Aldosterone sends a message to your kidneys to retain salt, so your body retains as much fluid as possible to keep you alive. And this sodium retention, not only is it a survival strategy, just in case you need that fluid on board to face any emergency, it also leads to a puffy face, ankles, legs, all of that stuff. And even in some people, the appearance of cellulite can become worse because the high levels of sodium there is pulling more water into those areas. So frustratingly, this water retention can make you feel like you've gained weight, even though it's all fluid. And I've seen clients range from six to 10 pounds in fluid retention. I mean, depending on your weight, depending on how severe your inflammation and your toxic overload is, yes, you can retain six to 10 pounds of fluid. That is very common. You might also find that you need to get up to go to the toilet at night. And this can happen because 
basically it's the first time in the day when you're not stressed and your body feels like you're not rushing so it feels safe enough to let go of some of that water so you start releasing fluid and that's during the night um, over time as you enter the second and third phase of adrenal fatigue like we mentioned in part one and your body struggles to produce enough cortisol where you start kind of moving into that burnout phase, your aldosterone can sometimes drop far too low as well. Then you'll see that you can have periods of too little sodium in your system, which is why women who are chronically stressed often crave salt or salty foods or salty snacks. And since aldosterone also regulates your blood pressure, this is why I ask a lot of my clients to monitor their blood pressure. And I specifically like them to do it on a Friday evening um, for for not many reasons, for a couple of reasons, but um, it's just trying to stack conditions in our favor. So Friday evening, I find is always best for testing blood pressure. Um, but so since aldosterone regulates your blood pressure, Exhausted adrenals, of course, can translate into lower blood pressure along with those lower minerals and electrolytes, which leads to you getting lightheaded and inflammation, or sorry, lightheaded and dizziness, which is also connected to inflammation as we looked at earlier. So we look at aldosterone issues, we look at low blood pressure, we look at that fluid, we look at inflammation, and yes, this is going to cause you to get lightheaded and dizzy. Um, so that's very important for a lot of people. Um, a few more things I look at or I hear is, oh, this one would be, um, I have one, another client I'm thinking of. I get chest pain or PPVs, so heart palpitations. Usually, and I've always said to the specific client, like this is your stress, this is your stress. So we need to monitor the stress. We supplement in a specific way for her and we also watch her nutrition because of her age and her stress. Certain foods are not going to be good for her at certain times of the day. But basically, this chest pain and heart palpitations, we're blaming this on your high adrenaline, cortisol and aldosterone. Um, because each play a part here when the aldosterone messes with your minerals and your electrolytes, then we know that magnesium is going to be messed with. We know magnesium is essential for cardiovascular and heart function. So but when you're feeling wired, your stress hormones, again, they move out of some organs to others. So your heart has to work harder to shift the blood around, making your heart pump harder and maybe develop irregular heartbeats. Um, your blood vessels also constrict so that you don't bleed in an emergency where you're trying to survive. This too puts pressure on your heart. So the end result here is you may suffer everything from chest pain to heart palpitations. Um, and I've experienced these, I have, during stressful times, they feel like flutters in your heart. And I obviously I'm very body aware, but when that happens, I'm like, 
was today a stressful day? Am I stressed? Okay, let's calm down. Let's get back into our calming zone. But um, it's not uncommon. You may also find it hard to get up the energy to exercise because your heart is already working harder 24-7 just to keep you alive and get you through the day. So having that kind of oomph, that kind of push that you may have enjoyed in the past, pushing through epic workouts, as we say, you may feel like your workouts are not as good anymore and you're lacking in that area. So that is quite common. All of these lines, all of these complaints that I'm saying, they're like so common. I get them all the time. Um, so I also get, I can't think straight. I, my brain's not working. So lots of brain fog. So that's going to be the cortisol's effect on your hippocampus. Um, the hippocampus is what helps us kind of focus and have good cognitive performance. We also have inflammation and toxic overload in the brain there, which will affect that too. Um, then you've got the smallest things now make me anxious or make me want to cry. I went through a stage of this where I was waking up weepy in the morning. I some of it, COVID and the restrictions and just life right now, actually probably all of it was that, let's be honest. But again, that was, I was running on adrenaline and cortisol. So that's very much what it is. So when you're waking up anxious or weepy or just wanting to cry, you're basically living in a chemical soup of stress hormones. That's what you're doing. Um, the, and then last, another one, and a lot of people, I've said this a lot, I, I honestly think a lot of people get this, is I'm always getting sick or I take a long time to recover. I've always got the sniffles or I seem to always be coming down with something. That's that adrenaline and cortisol as well. Because apart from stress management, the adrenaline excuse me, the adrenals are responsible for regulating your immune system. Um, and if you have a lot of stress, chronic stress, it is going to weaken your immune system. So you become more susceptible to infections and viruses and just constantly feeling like you're trying to beat a cold or a flu and if you I hate to say this but if you don't take care of it it can become more serious it really can and we go back to that insulin and inflammation insulin and inflammation they both will in a chronic state weaken your immune system and they will they definitely will this is why I'm always so voiced um, or loud about inflammation. I'm always, always saying like, we need to be aware of inflammation. We constantly want to spin down inflammation. I'm always trying to drive that home. I'll, sometimes I'll even say, you know what, forget about the fat loss. Get the inflammation down. That's the priority. Because although you want to look great and feel great now, you do not want cancer or autoimmune conditions in the future. All right, so that's a lot of the familiarities or the complaints that I see, and I'm sure most of you will relate to at least one of them. So how do we test for adrenal fatigue or adrenal issues? It can be hard. So obviously we can look at the symptom picture there that a lot of the symptoms we've gone through and I'll look at with my clients is the symptom picture. Um, I'll look at their body mass, I'll look at where they're carrying weight, I'll look at um, 
pretty much their menstrual cycle, their sleep, their nutrition, everything. And then I'll be able to see, well, there may be some adrenal fatigue here or it may be something else. So we can look at that symptom picture. And then you can also um, get look at some sort of blood testing. Blood testing can be very inaccurate. I mean, it wouldn't hurt to try it, but it's not that accurate. Um, urine and saliva testing seems to be far more accurate way to check cortisol levels, especially if you do the seven-day salivary test. You can do that at home um, and you do it across the day so we can kind of give a better idea of what's going on. You can also get what's called a Dutch test. So the Dutch test um, involves placing urine on a filter paper and letting it dry and then we look at metabolites and what your body is producing. So metabolites are downstream byproducts of what is happening in your body and what chemicals are sw swirling around your body and then what metabolites they leave behind and you can look at that. Now, I am a certified iridologist. Many of you know it, and I say it a lot at the beginning of the podcast episodes. And there is one iridology test or iris test that can be done that may give us an idea if you are um, in a state of adrenal fatigue or not. And there's been studies on this um, and it's really easy to do at home. So you would basically, this will tell us if your adrenals are suffering and then I'll tell you a really easy other one um, that I kind of watch. But this one, go. you would go into a dark room that has a mirror, take a mirror in your hands and allow your eyes to adjust to the darkness first. So this allows your pupils to dilate. Now you want to stand close to the mirror or hold it close to your face and using um, a pen light if you have one, so one of those little lights the doctors use or a weak flashlight, you shine that light across your right eye and you watch your pupil for about 30 seconds to see what happens. In a normal healthy body, it should react or contract really quickly when it ex it's exposed to the light, like really quick, and then it'll dilate again. So that's a good adrenal response. Um, if you then rest your eyes and get accustomed to the light, you would repeat this then on the other eye. If you see that you're getting an abnormal response and that your eyes are dilating like really, really quickly, like kind of fluttering, then we would take this as a, a sign that there are adrenal issues there. Also another one is if you find that you can't go out in bright light or you're squinting a lot in sunlight or if there's a lot of snow on the ground, now I, there's, I don't mean extreme snow and extreme light, I mean that's going to be challenging on most of our eyes, but if you find that you're sensitive to bright light or white snow and you have to wear sunglasses or you pull the visor down where you're driving or you're squinting, this tells us your adrenals are not recovering properly. So how do we break the cycle? So um, I will say of all the hormonal issues that I've worked with, adrenal issues take the longest to heal. It can be one to two years. In some clients, 
I have seen adrenal issues reverse in three to four months, which is amazing. But then we see that their adrenals are still sensitive for a long time. So if they're not vigilant, they actually regress and go back into adrenal fatigue. And then we have to start all over again. So this is why it's important to... Um, Take your time, like as we say, slow and steady wins the race. Embrace the solutions, but stick with it. You have to give your body time to relax and heal and get back into a balance or a state of homeostasis. Um, so one, sleep. Sleep is our number one tool for adrenal fatigue. In an ideal situation, I'd like you to take two weeks off work and just sleep the whole time, but that's not realistic. Um, but we do want to prioritize sleep. Like I said earlier, if you're crashing after you put the kids to bed, do not push yourself to spend time with your husband or stay up late and watch a show or this is me time. Me time is when you sleep. Go to sleep. You'll regret it if you don't. Your aim at least is eight to 10 hours of sleep when you have adrenal issues. Um, practice good sleep hygiene. You want to have a good evening routine. I cannot stress that enough. Then we look at nutrition. For people that are in a state of chronic stress or adrenal issues, we may want to look at eating more regular meals to keep blood sugars stable to kind of tell your body like you're not in a state of stress. So one of my adrenal fatigue clients recently, we have moved her back to five small meals a day. She was doing three meals, but that is not working for her. Her body is just way too stressed. Now, when I say way too stressed, I have a lot of clients and out of all of my clients, she is one of two or three. So like it's very stressed let's just put it like that we want to watch for inflammatory foods and food sensitivities and now a lot of foods that people think they have sensitivities to they they don't necessarily have sensitivities to them they just are eating wrong food combinations at wrong food times and they're not looking at ingredients properly there's a whole lot of things and i have clients that'll testify to this or attest to this that they talk for years they couldn't eat cheese or they couldn't eat this or that and now they eat it fine um so there's obviously there there's an educational factor there um, we want to minimize your sugar intake because we want to watch those blood sugar spikes and drops. So we're looking at the insulin there. We also want to avoid fatty, greasy foods, vegetable oils, trans fats as much as possible because they're going to be a big stress on the body, on the organs, but they're also going to drive up inflammation. So we're just going to make that cascade of adrenal issues even worse basically you do not want to live off caffeine oh sorry before i go on you want to make sure you're eating enough as well and not too much either so there has to be a balance your portion size needs to be good but it doesn't want to be too much either because that will have problems with the inflammation and the insulin um, but do make sure you're eating enough. Often I see a lot of clients who are not eating enough and their body is clearly in a state of stress. They're especially not eating enough carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are so important for women, but especially if we're in a state of chronic stress. I really don't like to see my clients go below 50 
grams of carbohydrates a day. I don't like that. Again, each person is individual. So if someone's at 30 and I know there's no stress and they're very healthy and everything's going well, then that's not a big deal to me. Um, but if someone is in a state of stress and their body is very stressed, I don't like to see carbohydrates go below, go below 50 grams. Um, don't live off caffeine. I really just encourage all of my clients to have one cup of coffee a day as a luxury, not as a necessity. It's a luxury. We have coffee because we enjoy it. We enjoy the taste of it. It's a luxury, not because we need it to survive the day. So be aware of that and be aware of your other caffeine sources like your green tea, your oolongs, your yerba mates and your dark chocolate. Now, Back to those carbs, I've said this before, there's so much controversy around carbs and keto and low fat and high fat and all. One thing is for sure, that we need carbohydrates to produce T3, which is our thyroid hormone. T3 is our functioning thyroid hormone that makes our metabolism work well, makes our adrenals and our body feel safe and secure. So if you cut right back on carbs, you will or you can increase cortisol levels by 18%. If anyone wants to study for that, reach out to me, message me and I will send you that study. So cutting back on carbs too low in a state of chronic stress can increase your cortisol levels by 18%, which is why, no, yeah, <laughs> which is why I encourage my clients to have carbohydrates every day when we look at that whole T3 production. They're very important. You don't need to go to extreme measures. You just need to balance your hormone and understand how food and nutrition works in your body. Um, we go back and I'm going to wrap this up soon. I know it's, I don't like these to go on too long, but let's wrap this up soon. Uh, the exercise, don't go too hard and heavy. Um, we're looking at restorative calming exercise. So exercise smarter, not harder. Those really sad calming, soothing exercises, walking, Pilates, yoga, dancing is amazing. Um, rebounding, so jumping on a mini trampoline is going to be great for the fluid retention and supporting the livers and even relaxing the central nervous system. If you're in a state of chronic stress and chronic inflammation, then you can be sure there is insulin resistance there and insulin resistance down to the muscle tissue. This is where we're doing weight training. So lots of weight training, lower intensity, but harder, heavier weights here can be beneficial. But if you're one of these people, I recommend that you work with a personal trainer or someone that understands where adrenal issues falling connect to weight training and how we would address that because you don't want to be doing like high resistance training where you're doing very high reps and pushing yourself till you get that big buildup of lactic acid you want just enough stress on the muscles that you're going to build them so you tear them slightly and you build them so you improve that insulin resistance and your glucose response but you don't want to do it too heavy and hard that you're driving up inflammation even more and stressing your body even more. So clearly, 
you can hear there is a very fine line there and even if it only means hiring a personal trainer for eight sessions so they can teach you this is basically what you would want to do then do that but there's a fine line there um become a pleasure seeker so this goes hand in hand with the restorative exercise i sleep because many of us find pleasure out of hikes walking in the sunshine swimming laughing with our family bike rides all those wonderful things that happen when we get exercise outdoors in the sunshine in the warm weather but you can also become a pleasure seeker in other ways which adds to um, our body releasing oxytocin so our pleasure hormone which really helps rebalance adrenal deficiencies or fatigues I am an advocate for laughing and funny movies. Just laugh. Just Will Ferrell is my favorite. Just Step Brothers. If you want a good laugh, watch Step Brothers. Laugh, laugh, laugh. I say it all the time to my clients that are stressed and they're not sleeping well. Do not watch horror films. Do not watch thrillers. Do not watch anything that would upset or stress your body even more. Don't do that. And then one person came back to me who's actually a family member and says well there's no science to say that horror shows do this that and the other come on let's just look at what a horror film does to your body and the response it causes it causes your body to go into a fright scared state which does release those stressed hormones in response so just stop that honestly i don't watch horror films anymore i haven't watched a horror film in i think three or four years because it's just not worth it i'd rather watch something funny and uplifting music i'm a big advocate for music roman said to me the other day oh my god you really do love music because the first thing i do when i wake up in the morning is i put on some calming music so i have some playlists so it might be like um i don't know it could be classical music but i also have some springtime playlists so really calming music um so music is a great way to calm the body especially singing as well sing till your heart's content your favorite music but nothing like nothing too heavy and hard it can not like heavy metal nothing that's going to get you riled up and stressed like come on let's be smart um then your epsom salt bath so we're again we're a pleasure seeker we're looking to give pleasure to our body epsom salt baths essential oils a good book candles classical music um all of this stuff that we associate with people that are retired we should be embracing that stuff these retired people People are on to something. Um, orgasms are amazing for giving us a huge oxytocin release. So good. So ladies, don't shy away from those orgasms. They're not just for men. They're for us. There's the idea that we fake it, but come on, we got to stop faking it at some stage and just go after the real thing. Um, massage can give people lots of pleasure, but also massage can be a, a cause for a big dump of inflammatory hormones into your bloodstream so you want to watch 
the whole connection between massage inflammation and fluid retention there you'll know your body um playing with your pets playing with your kids uh, hugging people that you love is going to be great and then dancing is going to be awesome as well um i was only talking about dancing yesterday a lot of my people my followers my clients don't know that i am a dance aerobics teacher and i have been forever I used to teach a lot of dance aerobics classes back in Ireland and I've even performed on stage and I've performed for some boxing tournaments and stuff. So yeah, dancing is amazing and it's still one of my favorite exercises to do. So um, that whole idea of self-care, stop making yourself the last priority. Come on, how many people do you know talking about self-love and self-care? You can't avoid it. You know it's important. So stop not prioritizing yourself. That whole saying of you cannot pour from an empty cup. You can't. Um, and then make, make sure your weekends are not too busy. Slow down and enjoy your weekends. It doesn't always mean going out and entertaining and sightseeing. You could just kick back with a book and a glass of wine or a phone call with friends or family. Like really prioritize your weekend. It's so important. Um, and then there's other things that you can look at for relaxation approaches. Um, like the tapping methods, you could look at acupuncture, red light therapy. Um, there's a few different things that you can try. You could try contrast therapy, so Nordic baths, Turkish baths, stuff like that. Um, but you definitely, one thing you want to do for sure is address root causes of your stress. Take the time, stop, reflect. Seek counseling if you need to talk to someone. I'm always saying to my clients, can you just take the time and reflect on what's going on and even write down what may be happening in your life that's making you unhappy or upset or stressed and then try to re reduce them as much as possible. Okay, and I know the big one people are asking for. Supplements. So nutrition, there's so much around nutrition you would have to work with someone and that's that's just it. There's just so much. You can't just follow one diet trend. You would have to work with someone. But when we look at supplements, there's lots of supplements that you can look at. There's lots of amazing supplements on the market. You just want to make sure you're getting a really good blend or brand. Um, and we can look at herbs. We've got herbal adaptogens. So adaptogen basically means that it helps your body adapt. So up or down, it'll help your body come back to homeostasis. So whether your cortisol is too low or too high, and the same with adrenaline, adaptogens help bring those levels back to normal. And it may not be in just one or two pills. For some people, they'll feel the benefits of these supplements immediately. For some people, it'll take a bit of time. So don't give up on it. It could take up to three months for you to feel the benefits of some supplements. Um, so when we look at phase two, 
uh, hormone balancing herbs can really help settle that cortisol before it gets too bad, before you get into that burnout phase. So we look at ashwagandha here, which is one of my favorites, and I have some posts on this in the biohacking group if you want to check it out. So you'll also see this called Indian ginseng. Um, and this ashwagandha is used to lower stress hormones and stabilize thyroid hormones. So the keywords there, lower, they help bring it down. Uh, then rhodiola will help do the opposite. So rhodiola has great energy boosting action. So if you're feeling really low and you need a boost in energy and you want to kind of counteract that flat line of cortisol or having too low cortisol, rhodiola will help boost that up. If we look at phase three, where you are in burnout, we can look at licorice. And a lot of people, when you think, when I say licorice, they think of black licorice and they say, I don't like that. And I agree, black licorice is gross. But we're thinking licorice root, we're thinking of the herb, which is very sweet and it's actually quite enjoyable and it's very good for your immune system as well. Um, but licorice, and I like to get it in tea form, can help boost cortisol levels when they're really flat. So when you're very, very stressed. Vitamin C, there are studies that do tout vitamin C as our top stress combating supplement. So this is one of the reasons I recommend all of my clients supplement with vitamin C. There's other reasons too, but this is definitely one is to help combat stress. Um, you can either get a supplement or you can look at camu camu berry, you can look at Peruvian berry, you can look at goji berries, which are very popular with my clients. You can look at makai berries, like there's lots of ways to get vitamin C, so many ways. Um, vitamin B, as I think I mentioned in part one, when we're stressed, one of the first nutrients to get depleted is our B vitamins as our adrenals dump them to help us survive along with dumping our minerals. So for some people, a good B complex or even just a B12 is going to be very beneficial. Magnesium, again, with those minerals that are the first to get dumped when we're in a state of stress, magnesium gets dumped. Um, and then we've got in this burnout where we want to push your body into good sleep, we're looking at maybe valerian or skull cap or uh, chamomile or some other herbs that maybe passion flower that'll help push you into good sleep. I don't really like sleep aids like sleeping pills. I would rather take a natural approach. I like to see my clients at um, collagen into their evening tea, which can be great for that glycine is great for helping with sleep quality. There's some clients I'll recommend we try some flower essences, they can be quite good as well. Um, but there's lots and lots of stuff out there. You can, there's some other supplements. So one of my clients uses a cortisol cam and then there's another that uses an adrenal cam. So there's a lot of supplements. If you come across a supplement or you want a recommendation of a supplement, you can PM me and say, hey, is this any good? Would you recommend this before buying it?
because there's a chance I'll say no and you might waste money. Or you can just PM me and ask for recommendations and then I will send you links to what I recommend. Ooh, okay, this episode has gone on an hour, one of my longest in a long time, but I think many of you will really, really benefit this. Now, I'm just going to remind you before I finish that we want your cortisol high in the early part of the day, and then it starts to trickle as the day goes on. This is what we want. This is an ideal situation. Then we want the cortisol to crash or be at its lowest around 6, 7, 8 p.m. That's where your melatonin kicks in. So we need to spike cortisol in the morning, and then we need to push down cortisol in the evening. There's a few different ways you can do it, but I just want you visualizing that graph. You've got high cortisol in the morning, low cortisol in the evening. That's an ideal situation. That is your goal. That's what you strive for. So I hope you found this podcast and information very, very helpful. There is a lot to digest in here. Go back, listen again, take some notes if you need to. I know lots of people are suffering with adrenal issues right now. So I encourage you or I ask you, please share this with anyone you feel may benefit and let's all help each other. Um, As always, please do, if you feel I deserve it, leave a review. It's one of the best things you can do to help my podcasts reach more people. Otherwise, have a great week. Take some time to focus and build awareness around your days and what may be causing you issues and what's working. You know where I am if you need me. You can reach me on Facebook, Instagram, or through my website, shemainsmodelhealth.com. I hope you have a great day. I hope you have a great week, and I will chat to you guys soon. Bye-bye.